As we look at uh, Romans chapter 5, um, do some background into how where we've come so far in the in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 is uh, it's all about, you know, basically the single theme is that everyone is bad. There is no one that does good. Everyone is evil before God. And, uh, you know, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Paul goes to great lengths to make sure that we understand that there is no one righteous. There is no one that does good, not a, not a single person. And uh, he basically places all mankind under condemnation. And then in Romans chapter 4, well, at the end of Romans chapter 3, he introduces the justification that God uh, provides through faith in Jesus Christ and uh, the righteousness that God provides for His people uh, through Jesus Christ. And in chapter 4, he, he makes sure that we understand that this is not some kind of newfangled thing that Paul has come up with. Uh, this is a teaching that is in, in accordance with the Old Testament. Uh, Abraham was justified by his faith. Uh, David preached about being justified uh, by faith apart from the law. So he, he's making sure that we know that... Uh, that uh, this is the way that it's always been, and Jesus Christ has come to fulfill these things, not to, not to, uh, you know, start uh, a new, uh, you know, a new thing, a new religion. He came to fulfill the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, he came to fulfill the law of God that God. Uh, gave to Moses and the justification that we have in Christ is a justification that was uh, was preached by both the law and the prophets and that is by faith so as we come to uh, as we come to Romans chapter 5 um, basically he's made his case and building upon everything he said before uh, he's going to talk to us about the effects of the effect of justification in our lives because we have been justified by this faith what what do we possess and what do we what do we do how do we live and basically the structure of Romans chapter 5 is is going to show us you know in the first two um, verses he's going to show us what we have now that we've been justified by faith what we have before God and then the rest of the chapter is going to be expanding on that showing us um, what this means in our life you know how we are how we are to react to the truth that we have been justified uh, by God uh, verse 1 says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's. Uh, it's easy to take this term peace, and and you know say it. Think it means you know this peace that's filling my heart and this fuzzy feeling of peace that I have. And you know a lot of people ask you know do you have peace in your life and don't you need some peace and and that's all well and good and it, it speaks of that in Philippians about the peace of God. Um, you know, that passes all understanding. But here it's talking about peace with God. It's talking about a cessation of war. Um, God is at war with sin and the sinner. Um, God is at war. We are, we are by nature enemies 
of God. It's going to it's going to refer to that here, even in this chapter and in subsequent chapters, about how we are enemies of God, hostile. Um, toward him it's as if we've broken into his kingdom and uh, you know we're destroying his palace and we try to throw him off the throne and place ourselves upon his holy throne by saying you know you don't rule over me i won't i won't have you telling me what i need to do and i'm not going to do your will i'm going to do my will i'm the king of my own life and you're not you're not lord we're basically trying to throw him off his own throne and so God is God is at war with sin. God is at enmity. It says um, with sin, we are at with at enmity with God. Um, but now, because we've been justified by faith through Jesus Christ, we've been uh, we've been by faith in Him. We've been made righteous. It says that we have peace with God. It's it's the picture is of, of two armies that are battling and struggling on the on the battlefield and they're killing each other and they're battling and they're at war and then a truce is called and they have peace and peace has been made not because uh, we compromised or because God lowered His standard but because Jesus Christ met His perfect standard gave us His perfect righteousness and we have been justified in the Father's sight by faith in Christ it says verse 2 by whom talking about Jesus also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand we just didn't make a truce with God and uh, come to terms. I'll do this if you do that. Uh, the truce that we have with God is based solely upon His grace. Um, we didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Christ uh, is going to say here in a little bit that when we were at our worst, sinners and ungodly, Christ died uh, for us. And he, he gave us access by faith into this grace uh, where we stand. Um, it's... It's not a. It's not a grace of that that's filled with fear when we stand before the judge of all the earth. Um, it's a. It's a grace that we know that God has poured out His love upon us in His Son by giving us His righteousness, and we're gonna we're gonna see that in the verses that are that are upcoming in chapter five. But uh, we stand in this grace um, for the person who is not in the grace of God, the person who is still under the wrath of God. Um, I heard it said once that it would be easier uh, for a wax figurine to stand at the face of a blast furnace than it would be for the sinner without the righteousness of Christ to stand before a holy God. Um, but yet that's where we stand by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and we stand there justified and having peace with God. Um, it's really an amazing thing. It says not only not only do we have peace with God, not only um, do we have access into grace by faith, um, and we're standing in this grace, but we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's reason for us to rejoice now. Um, in Romans chapter 3, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of what? It's the glory of God that we've fallen short of. But now, through Christ, through being justified by Him, through His death, burial, resurrection, through faith in His blood, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that we have fallen short of. Um, so, what what 
went wrong in our lives because of our own nature, because of our own criminal acts, because of our own sin and rebellion, Jesus Christ has made right. Jesus Christ has given us the hope uh, for the thing that we lost, and which was the glory of God. So verse 1 and 2 basically is telling us what we possess because we've been justified uh, by faith in Christ. And so he's going to go on to explain these things in more depth. Um, the last part of verse 2 says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then verse 3 picks up saying, and not only so, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, it says, but we glory in tribulations also. And that word glory in the beginning of verse 3 and the word rejoice at the end of verse 2, um, they're, they're the same word in the Greek text. Um, if you care about those things. And it means to rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and we rejoice in the tribulations. And that doesn't even make sense, really, to rejoice in tribulations. Um, how in the world can we say that we rejoice in tribulations? Um we don't just we don't just rejoice in the fact that um, someday in the future it's all going to be good. We rejoice in the fact that right now God is molding us into His image, and right now God has given us justification. Right now God has made us right with Him, and we have peace with Him right now. And we know it says we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience in verse 3 that patience is not a you know man i'm waiting on a bus and i i just got to be cool until it gets here and i need to wait on it and that's not the kind of patience paul's talking about he's talking about uh an endurance uh tribulations brings an endurance we have to endure to get through those tribulations we have to hold fast in order to make it through those trials we have to patiently endure these things as uh, they're coming about in this sinful world um in because of uh, sickness or or whatever kind of tribulation we'd be going through uh, we endure those things and that endurance it says that patience works experience now you hear the word experience and you think well you know you just get experience on the job or whatever but what it's talking about there is having stood a test we are we have um when we are enduring through trials that leads us to understand that we can stand in the midst of tests we we start to have experience in standing through trials we start to realize that we can overcome these obstacles and once that realization comes to us that experience comes to us um, it works hope so it says knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope when you realize that god is the same god who brought you through all those trials uh, last year, you know that any trial that comes before you next year, uh, God is going to be able to bring you through that as well. And he's doing those things. It's going to tell us later in the book of Romans for our good. He's doing those things to mold us into the image of his son, that we can be like him. So we don't just rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, of what's coming, of a day far in the future. 
when we'll stand before Him and everything will be made right. We rejoice in that, but not only so. It says we rejoice right now, even through the midst of our tribulations and trials, because the end of those things, it's bringing us more and more experience, more and more hope that uh, God is faithful to what He's called us to do. Verse 5 says, And that hope that we have, it doesn't. It makes us not ashamed. It, it will never let us down. And this is why when He says hope, now... A lot of times we take that word and we we think it means, man, I really hope it's true. You know, I'm uh, I'm not sure it's really going to happen, but man, I hope it does. You know, and that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about an expectation, uh, certainty that it will happen. This is our hope. We've put we've put all of our hope in this, and this is the certainty, the reality of what uh, what is going to happen. It's our hope. Um, that hope doesn't make us ashamed. It doesn't let us down. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't disappoint us. And this is why, verse five, it says, "Because." And it says, "Hope maketh not ashamed." Because why does hope makes not us make us not us maketh not us ashamed? <laughs> because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And when you read that, you think, "Well, the love of God." You know, if you take that from the context of uh, chapter five, you, you know, take it out of that context, you might think he's saying, uh, you know, this love of God is in my heart and he's given me his love and I've got to give his love back to people. And, you know, his love is just filling me up and I feel his love in me. And, you know, but taken in the context of chapter five and what he's talking about, about having peace with God and reconciliation and those things, what he's saying there is that God has poured his love out upon us. So because of Christ, because of the righteousness of God, because of grace through faith and the cross and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, um, because of those things, there is no more wrath stored up for the believer. There is no more punishment for sin. There's no more anger. Um, there's nothing but love. Jesus Christ took all the wrath, took the anger, took the punishment, took all those things for us, and He gave us His per- perfect life so that when you know the Father looked at His own Son and said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, when He sees the believer who is in Christ, He can look at that believer and say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so there is no there is no more wrath for sin in the life of the believer. Now, that is a wonderful truth. Uh, I mean, it's awe-inspiring. Um, but does that mean that if you heard that, if you heard me say that and you it, it came to your mind, well, that's great. Uh, there's no more wrath for sin. That means I can go sin all I want to. You probably haven't met this Jesus that I'm talking about. You haven't uh, experienced this justification because it says the very next thing is this love is shed abroad in our hearts. And how do we know that that God has placed his love upon us instead of his wrath? It says by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. We not only have the love of God, which covers, um, which covers all our sin through Jesus Christ, but we have the Holy Spirit, which is given to us to uh, as a as a down payment, as it were, um, Ephesians one. Uh, uh, of what's coming, He gave us the Holy Ghost, assuring us that this is this is the proof 
that you have my love has been poured out upon you and there is no more wrath for sin and that you have peace with God. And what that Holy Ghost does, what that Holy Spirit does is it changes us. It changes us to love righteousness and to walk in righteousness. So this love of God that it's talking about here in in verse 5 is not just uh, the fuzzy feeling of love that we might have in our hearts, but it is God loving us rather than giving us wrath and condemnation and judgment in Christ. And how do I know that? Because the love of God in verse 5 is explained in verse 6 through 8. It says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now think about that a minute. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. I don't know about you, but what it's talking about there is, you know, uh, more than likely just for somebody who is a good man, he's a good man, he does good, he's a righteous guy, you know, um, doubtful there'll be anybody that'll say, you know what, I'll give my life for him because he's so good. Uh, and it says, yet peradventure, or perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. Like if, if a guy has really been good to you, he's been good to you and, and done so much for you and just, uh, you know, done all the good that you could possibly imagine to you. For that guy, you know, you might. I mean, maybe, maybe some would say, yeah, I would die. But but God commended his love. He showed us his love, demonstrated it to us that while we were ungodly, verse six, while we were the yet sinners, verse eight, Christ died for us. I mean, in the midst of us storming his castle and trying to throw him off his own throne, he loved us in that moment. I mean, can you imagine Um, I often tell the kids here at church, you know, I'm not even sure that I would let my kid get a cold for you, you know, much less die for you. And I I remember telling them one time, you know, if it if it came down to, you know, somebody's going to die, either you or my child, and I'm the one that has to decide. Uh, all I know is you better be you better be prayed up because it's not going to take too many seconds before I check your name off the list. Um, God commended his love toward us and that while we were his enemies, while we were seeking to destroy his kingdom, while we were seeking to supplant him on his throne, he gave his son to die for us that he loved us. And it says, verse nine, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him since we have been justified since we have peace with God since that peace has been shown in the love God has shed abroad upon us uh, by the Holy Ghost that's given to us since we have these proofs that our justification has taken place and that God's wrath has been satiated by Jesus Christ um, we we know 
that we will be saved at the judgment. We know from the wrath that is to come, we will be saved. When we stand before God at the bar of His judgment, we know that we'll be delivered. We know that we'll be saved because we have the proof right now. We've been justified. We have peace with God, and His love has been shed upon us, and we know that because He gave His only Son while we were yet His enemies. It says, verse 10, For if we were enemies, if we were If when we were His enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, it says, much more, now being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We're saved by His life in the fact that He takes away our sin and pays for it on the cross, and He gives us His perfection. Jesus is the only one who's ever lived a sinful life, and we... We uh, that sinful life is on our account when we trust in Him so that when we stand at the judgment on that day when God hands out wrath and reward, um, He will see those people who are in Christ in the same way that, uh, that He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He will look upon us who are in Christ and all He will see is Christ in His life and He'll be able to say to us, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So we rejoice because of all this all this stuff that has happened. This we have peace with God, reconciliation, we've been justified, we have access to grace by faith. Um, because of all this, we rejoice knowing that there's coming a day when everything's going to be made right. There's coming a day when there'll be no more sickness and no more pain, no more sorrow and dying. There'll be no more struggle against sin. Sin will finally be done away with, and uh, we will live. We will live uh, together with Him forever uh, the way that it was supposed to be. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the the more that I grow in Christ, the more unholy I realize that I am. And the struggle between the flesh and the Spirit, uh, sometimes it's exhausting. And there there are times when, man, I just look forward to the time where there won't be a struggle anymore. Sin will be finally defeated. And uh, not only defeated, but... Uh, but uh, done away with. And uh, what I am and what you are as a believer in position right now in Christ will be in practice on that day. We'll be able to to actually live and walk and work uh, without sin. Uh, it won't be, it won't be, uh, you know, uh, the eternal state is not a state where we're just floating around like ghosts in the clouds somewhere and uh, you know it's 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 all ethereal and spiritual. We're going to have real bodies, and we're going to live uh, in a new heaven and a new earth, and uh, we're going to live with Christ. And we'll have work to do, and we'll have it'll be life. You know, it'll be eternal life. It'll be the way that it was supposed to be um, in the garden. The way Adam and Eve were at the beginning is the way we'll be at the end. Only there will be no more sin. There will be no more opportunity or inclination for us to sin. It'll be perfect fellowship with God the Father. So we rejoice looking forward to that, that uh, we shall be saved by His life. And verse 11 finally says, you know, not only do we rejoice in what's coming, but we rejoice right now because we've been reconciled to Him. We've received His atonement, His reconciliation. It says, and not only so, but we also joy. He's talking about joy there. We, 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 uh, Rejoice in the fact that we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, verse 11, but we also joy in God 
right now through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received atonement. Now we've received reconciliation. The fact that um, Paul is, is, is speaking here about the fact that um, there is nothing for the believer that can hinder uh, his final Salvation. There's nothing that can stop God's plan. No matter what tribulation comes, all it's going to do is is reveal our endurance, and that endurance is going to reveal experience, and that experience is going to just bring us more hope. So the more trials and tribulations that we go through, um, it doesn't beat us down. It gives us more cause to rejoice. Um, is it easy to do in the midst of tribulation? Of course not. That'd be foolish to say so. Um, but coming out the other side of tribulation, uh, I think uh, pretty much we can all agree that we can look back and see how God ha- has worked in those things for our good, and God has made a way when it didn't seem like there was any way. And because He did that, we know that in the future uh, we have the same God that we had on those days uh, in the past through tribulations, and so He'll be the same God in future tribulations as well. And we we can take joy in that, knowing that right now, at this moment, there is nothing that can take away that peace from me. There's nothing that can take away the reconciliation that I have with God and the atonement that Christ made for me. So Paul has given us, in verses 1 through 11, chapter 5, Romans, Paul has given us um, the effects of justification in a life it the effects are that we possess peace with God, that uh, there's a cessation of war, that we have access to grace by faith, and that uh, that these things should lead us and do lead us in the path of joy. We rejoice in what's to come, and we rejoice in right now. And the reason that we do that is because God's love uh, is poured out upon us through Jesus Christ rather than His wrath, rather than His condemnation. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at uh, verses 12 through 21. It's going to be talking about the overthrow of death and how all mankind stands either represented by Adam or represented by Christ before God. So uh, it's a notoriously difficult section both to translate and uh, and to interpret. So I hope to see you then.